Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Warm-ups, not really, but when I woke up this morning, I was feeling pretty dangerous. All right, guys, welcome to the Oakwood Breakdown Podcast, brought to you guys by SB Nation's Crimson and Cream Machine. I'm your host, Kami Amrabi, and joined by my host, Jack Shields. You guys can find us on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, Google Podcasts, anywhere you guys can find a podcast, go ahead and give us a five-star review. We've actually had quite a few in the last couple of days. It's been nice. It was like we, we had 72 in the last time we had a, the last time we had a podcast, and then now we're up to 80 or 81, I believe. I think so. And we times. got one from someone claiming to be Tom Herman. Someone so. claiming to be Tom Herman. He's having quite a week. Tom Herman is having quite a week. Apologizing after being on TV... Guys, uh, giving double birds on the Longhorn Network. That's probably one of the least embarrassing things to be shown on Longhorn Network in quite some time. <laughs> You're probably right, man. I mean, they have to show like everything from the Mac Brown era and the Vince Young era or Colt McCoy era to make any sort of viewership happen. Pretty much. Nobody's going to watch their ladies' volleyball team, except maybe women or young girls. Or creepy that want to dudes. Models. Yeah, well, that's true. Yeah, oh, that's We didn't true. expect to go there today, did we? No, that's but that's so true, though, yeah. isn't it? Man, that's that's weird. How's your week, though? It's Thursday, <laughs> it's Thursday man. It's, it's I Thursday. know, yeah, Thursday. It's been, this is the latest we podcast we've We were going to do uh, Wednesday this week, but we were wanting to wait for stuff. all of the stuff with the suspensions to yep. come out to, so we could talk about it. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's been a... Fairly busy week, obviously, it's with been the a website. Strange week with the suspensions, suspensions and Lincoln, the... Lincoln Riley not talking about it because he doesn't want to damper National Signing Day and the National Signing Day. Oh man! And then Signing Day, you know, obviously we knew about Jace McClellan, Honey Dicked, Honey Dick OU, yeah, he Honey Dicked, Kevin Durant at OU, but he um, did. Then, uh, I mean, there was the whole thing with Eaton, which was a very pleasant surprise. I mean, OU was leading for him the whole way, but. They weren't sure he was going to sign today. He said he wasn't going to sign on Wednesday, yeah. but then he ended up doing it. That was nice. So weird. It would and this, and we'll talk about this pretty soon. It's just like this signing day and this signing period um, in December and in February. This is the most unexpected signing day, cloudy, mistiness, unclear vision of what Oklahoma will have actually signed by when it's all said and done, Lincoln Riley. Because the past two years, especially last year, like you knew who Oklahoma was getting, and that was it. I mean, they had like one guy. And, and a week ago, that's how we expected this week to be, too. For the most part, I mean, like there were guys that you knew you had your eye on, and then you all of a sudden had a lot of people trending in various ways, and it's just, I don't know what to expect. And at the, it's fun at the same time as it is nauseous because you're just ready to get that class down because with Jace McClellan, I mean, OU, he, uh, OU was a top 10 ranked team according to class rankings on 247 and Ryan Still are for 247 even uh, with his... Uh, yeah, with his decommitting. And, yeah. and, and, yeah. And, uh, or number, just, they're actually number 10 right now and number 2 in the Big 12. And so there's there's quite a there's quite a bit of movers and shakers, but yeah, been a really interesting week for Oklahoma News and 
Still some spots to fill, so. Definitely some spots to fill. So let's, let's talk about National Signing Day. Let's talk about the first one, which is apparently becoming, quickly becoming the major one. Uh, coaches clamored for it. Please give us a National Signing Day. Please give us the national, early National Signing Day. And then said, said, okay. And then everybody's signing on early National Signing Day, unless it's a big-time recruit. Or if it's someone waiting for better offers or something Waiting for like better that. offers. Or guys that secretly sign their commitment and then just like act like they aren't committed, like Nick Benito did last year or two years ago. He did that. Jaden Hazelwood did that last year. There's been several players that have done that for Oklahoma. And uh, so, and I, I, I think, I think there's another one like that for Oklahoma already that has actually secretly signed, but will announce it at some sort of game. It's always so exciting. Yeah. Could be a quarterback this time. Who knows? There you go. Um, the first thing that step that, that jumps out to you, the first thing that should jump out to you anyways, this offensive line class is the most impressive offensive line class I in the recent memory or just in memory. You've got Nate Anderson, uh, Nelson, Andrew Rame, Anton Harrison, and, and uh, Parks. I mean, As far as both talent and filling needs... It's pretty incredible because, I mean, there's versatility amongst this group as well. So you can fit, like at least three of these five could fit in at, you know, guard or tackle and maybe even center. Yeah, you feel comfortable with a lot of these guys. And, man. Andrew Rame amongst uh, all of them is the most exciting, to me at least. But Rame is fantastic. He can play all three positions. But, but you, you just look at a lot of these guys. I mean, I think that, I think that uh, and Nate Anderson. Nate Anderson is a big guy here. Nate Anderson is, he's so underrated because of how big he is. He's only like 260-something, 265, 267. Um, he's underrated because of that. But supreme athleticism. He'll fill out his frame. He's He can play tackle. He can play guard. And I think the most underrated guy is Aaron Parks from, you know, from Maryland. And they got two. They got two Maryland guys, uh, in Parks and Harrison. And Parks went to you know the rivals camps and just dominated guys that are in the top five. Guys that are committed to Clemson right now. He just came through and dominated them in their camps. So he is severely underrated. And the thing we keep on bringing ourselves back to is, man, they got a lot of dudes in front of them. That Bray Walker. People are forgetting about Bray. Uh, you've got Marquise Hayes and Tyrus Robinson who are settled at the guard positions. You, and then you've got the other young bloods at the tackles. I mean, I don't, I think these guys could probably unseat um, Eric Swenson. Yeah. Um, but, oh, man, who I, why do I keep from forgetting this man's name? The tackle from Stacey Wilkins. Yeah. Stacey Wilkins is next man up on t- at tackle. And a lot of this depends on Creed Humphrey. A lot of this hinges on Creed Humphrey. And I had an interesting conversation yesterday with uh, with uh, Spencer um, Spencer Davis, I believe, from the OU Daily. And we talked about, you know, who you would rather have, or what situation, excuse me, that you would rather have. Would you rather have Three returning offensive linemen, or four, three or four offensive returning linemen. I can't talk. And you replace the center, or would you rather keep the center and replace three to four linemen? As well as OU recruits offensive linemen, I would say keep the center. Would you agree with me there? I, I would. And especially when Creed Humphrey is that center. See, and that's 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 my thing. Because... You look at Creed Humphrey's first season under Lincoln Riley. Remember, it was him and Jonathan Alvarez kind of bouncing off each other? Yep. And it was really awkward, and it wasn't very good. And even when Creed came in for the first bits of time, it wasn't that great. And then Lincoln Riley decided, apparently, full-time, that was Creed's time to just start and take over the reins. And that's when they started to develop continuity. That... That offensive line took off. And so Creed had the benefit, though, of having a guy like 
Cody Ford. He had the benefit of a guy like having Drew Samia and Bobby Evans and um, what's-his-face who plays for the Ravens now? Ben Powers. Ben, pa- ben Powers is a Raven, right? Yep. So he has all these guys. He, has, he had the benefit of playing with four NFL guys. And, I mean, if that's not the case, OU's offensive line probably in trouble. If only one or two of those guys is going to the NFL, that thing probably has a lot more issues. Whereas right now, you're seeing, hey, you know, these guys are all good offensive linemen. They're quality players, or else they wouldn't be playing for OU. But you you have a center in Creed Humphrey that makes it work okay. Uh, but I agree. I'd rather replace Lyman outside of the center because that guy is the most important. He is literally in command. Like People want to say the quarterback's in command of the offense, and that's true. But the offensive lineman that this, that's like literally making all the calls, directing traffic before and seeing everything before the quarterback is even more important. So, yeah, a lot of offensive linemen, and it all boils down to these guys are going to have to wait their turn. Um, but if Creed Humphrey leaves, you open the door for EJ, EJ Ndoma Ogar. Although I know McIver was his backup, EJ Ndoma Ogar is, gonna, is really going to be the center next year, most likely. He's a monster, too. I know Tyrese Robinson has taken snaps at center. EJ is the one who had to baptize him at the uh, the opening a few years ago. Remember that quote? Mm-hmm. That was pretty sweet. Yep, had to baptize him. Going to be a fan favorite. But um, the line, the the offensive line, if Creed Humphrey comes back, they're going to be just stupid, disgusting, road-grading maulers. And that's really all this class is. Noah Nelson, I mean, guy's huge, like six foot eight, six foot eight, And some people rated him as a three-star? Just because he couldn't move around. It's sort of the same thing with uh, Orlando Brown falling to the third round yeah. in the NFL. I mean... You don't necessarily have to be a supreme athlete if you have arms that are longer than anyone else and no one can get around you. Or you could be Sam Ellinger and make fun of the amount of bench presses that Orlando Brown did, and now he's going to probably be in the Super Bowl. And, well, Sam, you're not going to. Well, you'll get drafted, but maybe the He might not be drafted. Sam Ellinger will get drafted. You think so? Yeah, I think he'll get drafted. He's Texas. Ugh. I don't know. I've seen Horace get drafted. Landry Jones got drafted. I'm just kidding. Major Jones is a better quarterback than Sam Ellinger. He's a much better quarterback. He can throw the football. That helps a lot. He still has his brain intact. Um, Juco boys on defense, though. Let's talk about these guys. Perry and Winfrey, Justin Harrington, and Joshua Ellison. Now, the major guys here are Perry and Winfrey and Justin Harrington. These are guys that I 100% think will start and play in Grinch's system right away. These guys are heavy hitters. And it's weird to say that because Josh Ellison, he's no scrub. He's the number two defensive tackle in JUCO. You needed to do this well in the JUCO ranks as far yeah. as defensive tackle recruiting is concerned. When you lose your top three guys at the same position, yeah. you have to have immediate contributors. And now you have two immediate contributors, plus a uh, dude from Union, um, Jordan Kelly. So yep. you're going to be okay at that position next year. You can sleep easy. Yeah, and but it's weird. Ellison played at Blinn. And he played defensive end for the most time. And so he's going to have to change his body. And he's going to be ending up moving inside. Whereas Perry and Winfrey, Mike, the guy does not have to change his body composition. Nope. The, there were issues and there were worries about him not actually academically making it in. Um, now he's going to be an early enrollee. Yeah, now he's going to be an early enrollee. And, and there, were, there, there were some issues about maybe maturity. Where he's been in trouble a couple times. Over at... Um, so Iowa Western with the with the Reavers, Rivers. I don't know. I just know that there's Ravers. an Ameristar Casino in Council Bluffs there, which is <laughs> pretty nice casino. But he's a big guy. Uh, the only thing that's with him is his on the field, anyways, is his shoulder is his shoulder height, uh, his pad shoulder shoulder, whatever. Um, he has a chan- He has a tendency to jack in the box when the ball gets snapped. He pretty much jumps right up instead of staying low in his pad level, staying low. Uh, he has a tendency to do that. And you look at his film along with Joshua Ellison's film, and these are the two number, these are one-two punch, number one, number two defensive tackles in the Juco ranks. And you see a very clear drop-off in the talent that Perry and Winfrey is 
in comparison to the talent that Joshua Ellison is. It is noticeable, and it, it, it kind of concerns me. Um, do you have any take on Ellison and Winfrey? I kind of already gave it. Yeah, I mean, it, it, <laughs> like, yeah, and you're right. It's just you're missing out Famatau. You're missing out on Marquise Overton, Gallimore, and you know you have Jordan Kelly, you have Corey Roberson. That's it. Like, oh, you had a very senior group of defensive linemen, and you might be without Ronnie. No, you will be without Ronnie Perkins for a substantial amount of games next season, and people aren't thinking about that either. As many as five games, as too, and Texas as, being the fifth game. That's correct. Um, so not good. So you then you patch over the Neville Gallimore and really Marquise Overton kind of holes because Dylan Fomitau never really did. He didn't, he, he underwhelmed me this year. He did. He, there was a massive drop off after Overton to him. He was there, you know, to spell those guys. Yeah, I mean, they were playing a lot of snaps, but, <laughs> but I mean, Overton did well whenever called upon though. Winfrey and, obviously Gallimore and Harrington will 100% be playing in Grinch's system day one. And it's and Harrington at nickel, correct? Wouldn't you say? Man, it's hard to say. It's really hard to say. He could do either of them, I mean. Because now you're saying, now you're starting to develop, oh, this is depth. This is quality depth. You finally um, have what you've been complaining about the entire time. And you got it in a Juco guy that's massive, um, you know. And you can play him at nickel. You can play him at high safety. You can, you know, replace the Larry Turner yell with them or just create more competition because Bryson Washington is a safety and he's a big get for OU. Jer- uh, Jeremiah Cordell, he's a guy that's still there. He, he has been in the weight room all season. So you got a lot of guys that can play a lot of places. And I don't think you take Buki off the. I don't think you take Buki off the field. No. So you can play a lot of guys everywhere. And let's just talk about this defensive back class. You have Washington, Dennis, Eaton, which was kind of a surprise, Harrington, and Graham, who we originally thought originally thought would play wide receiver. Wide receiver but, but then he fits the mold so well for a Alex Grinch defensive back. Yeah. You can't not put him over there. He's trending more towards defensive back and the average height for all these guys is uh is about six uh what I think I came out to six foot two one hundred and eighty eight pounds and then I decided well what is the average mission height? accomplished for Grinch yeah. I mean and that's and that's just the incoming class the average height for two thousand the two thousand twenty class is about six foot two one hundred eighty eight pounds and then you look at 2019, 2018, and two thousand nineteen is six foot one seventy five. 2018, five foot ten, one seventy, and it's just <laughs> good old Kerry Cooks. You you see the difference here. It's very clear the direction they're trending, and be so when Oklahoma they had guys from modern day and they had other guys that you know they're five ten. Alex Grinch comes in and they're not they're not lowly rated guys. I mean, these are four star kids, and Alex Grinch comes in all of a sudden you see these guys kind of hit the hay. It was not the fact that they just fell fell out of love with Oklahoma. It was the fact that Alex Grinch was like, "Yeah, I don't, I don't think you're gonna play here. We're playing a new style of ball, and that's all it was." And so that, that's really it's fantastic. Um, Oklahoma's defensive back recruiting is fantastic, and quite frankly, this class really was dedicated to Oklahoma's defense and their offensive line. It's all about filling needs. I mean, as far as filling needs are concerned, I mean, it sort of reminds me of the 2007 class. There's not necessarily, you know, a five-star recruit in this class. There's no one who necessarily jumps off the page or who's going to be talked about on ESPN's National Signing Day at length or anything like that, but you're filling every single need really well, which is what I'm most pleased with in a recruiting class. So, Yeah, it's true. I'm pumped about it. Of course, what we're not pumped about again is it's, it's not the fact that Jason McClellan decommitted from the Sooners on National Signing Day. I mean, that stuff happens. Flips happen. Oklahoma's done it to several teams before. Flips happen. Hell, hell t- last year, Tidy Armin, 
He was signing at Arizona State. He was literally up on the podium. <laughs> he was signing at Arizona State that morning. Everybody said Arizona State, Arizona State. And then OU said, hey, we need another defensive back. And they they literally DM'd Ty DeArmond and was like, hey, uh, are you still open to going to other schools? And they literally slid into Ty, Ty DeArmond's DMs, got him a scholarship offer, his dad had to like rush to go get him a shirt. Yeah, him, him and the coaches, his dad and his coaches literally had to go to the mall and find OU hats and shirts for him to commit to OU that morning. So, I mean, yeah, but this Jace McClellan stuff has been writing, it's been writing on the wall for a long time. And anybody that's been like, yeah, well, you know, we trust Jace, it's, it's, when the man is finding reasons not to make it out to your team functions with all the other commitments, that's a problem. When the man is finding reasons not to make it out there and nobody knows why, that's concerning. And then it just got more and more closer to National Signing Day, and you're thinking, and Alabama's getting more involved. You're thinking, okay, this could be an issue. And then, of course, he flips. And the only thing that really bugs, and I know they're teenagers, these are 17 year old kids, okay? I'm around teenagers all the time. I'm aware how fickle their brains are and their minds are. They change their minds quite a bit, especially if somebody sways them and has a, a lot of, you know, swaying potential. And um, it means Alabama. And what they've shown about running backs going to the NFL is nothing short of anything stellar. Like, everybody ends up in the NFL. Whether or not they flame out, that's something completely different. And uh, the thing that bugs me most about the mcclellan stuff though is that he was committed to ou two and a half years he's been committed longer than jalen redmond like yeah. he committed before jalen redmond he committed before ronnie perkins committed before buki i mean yep he committed two two and a half years ago in july and waits till national signing day or the day before national signing day excuse me to or the week of national signing day this this Monday to tell the coaches, yeah, I'm decommitting. He calls the coaches. He didn't do it publicly. He waits till the last second. If you would have done this months ago, oh, you could have said okay and moved on and gotten another great prospect. But now Oklahoma's scrounging around looking for athletes, trying to find a gem that's left and. They or, did just offer the Corey Wren kid out of New Orleans. Yeah, they did. Corey Wren from New Orleans. He's pretty exciting. I mean, he's not necessarily a huge uh, prospect or anything like that, but he's really fast. Yeah. And hey. I think he would probably be pretty exciting to watch in this offense. And oh, you could have a running back thing next year. And you year. already have, you know, a big, you know, prototypical, consistent back in Seth McGowan, so you might as well get someone who you think could make a bit of a splash and go out, think outside the box a little bit. And it looks like that's what they're doing here. I mean, McClellan just, Kevin Duranted the Sooner staff by being with them for so long and then just said, see ya, the very last second he could. If That's the only thing that bugs me. It's not the thing that he decommitted that happens. That's college football. But the fact that he waited two and a half years before saying, nah, I think I'm going to join Bama, that, I've got a problem with that. I do too, but I mean, at the same time, it's not something that's necessarily crippling Oklahoma. It's not. It's not, and it's, I don't know, past is the past. I'm, I've already moved on from it mentally. I moved on from it before signing day, obviously, because we've known about it for yeah. quite some time. And, and Trey Sermon, I don't know if he's coming back. Kennedy Brooks, we'll see what happens with him. Marcus Major is a good back. Um, he's been dinged this year, of course. And then you have TJ Pleasure, and then what running backs do you have for the bowl game? Yeah, right. Basically Ken- just Kennedy Brooks and TJ Pleasure for the bowl game. Yeah, so... And some scout guys. You got to maybe put Jeremiah Hall at running back for a few snaps. I mean, I think you would put Jeremiah Hall there. But yeah, there's that. Another PSA, though. Don't tweet at recruits. Don't do it. That's stupid. It just Even if you're tweeting like positive things at recruits, it just makes you look creepy. Yeah. Like, or, or oh, I think you might have retweeted this the other day, but the different types of people. I have that rec- pulled up right recruits. now, actually. Like the guy that's like wishes you good luck, but secretly wants you still to go to his school. It's like, hey man, I'm so glad you're like gonna go somewhere else and further your education. But I hey. want you to be happy, and I respect your decision, sixteen year old that I don't fucking know. Yeah, but 
He's like, go be, go be something else, and uh, just letting you know, Florida State has the best uh, program in the nation. It's like, what the heck? It's just tweeting it. Why? There's 17 year old. It's it's young just men. it's psychotic behavior. It's so weird, and like the majority of people doing it are old guys, old men. Why? It's, get off Twitter. Stay on Facebook. <laughs> Stop bugging these teenagers. That's weird. Let and like the people in the comments after somebody decommits or commits, they're like, "Well, enjoy sucking for the rest of your life." Well, I guess he didn't want competition. Yeah. God, I hate old people. It's just like, come on, man, be better. But yeah, don't tweet at recruits. Respect their decision. These are at the end of the day. These are teenagers. Figuring out the the next forty years of their lives, not that it's just the next four years, the next forty years of their lives, because they will get degrees, they will go on to do other things. Many of them will get their degrees in three years, uh, so it's a big decision for many of them. And if you have a beef with them, either keep it to yourself or say it on a podcast like we are. Yeah, it's true. Don't at them. It's true. Oh, yes, more guys are working on. Um, Chandler Morris is still a guy that they're working on. Uh, Ren, like you just mentioned, he's the guy that OE's been looking at for a minute. Even uh, though they, you know, supposedly have Grimes locked up, he hasn't signed yet, so they're still going to have to work on him a little bit. So yeah, because well, there was that weird report that said, yeah, Grimes, uh, he's not he's not signing in the early in the early signing period, and we said, okay, that's really strange. And then he says, well, it's it's okay because. He said, although he's not signing the signing period, he's waiting till National Signing Day 2. He's 100% a Sooner. But does that make you feel any pause? Yeah, I mean, then why wouldn't you just sign at this point? I don't know. I mean, do you, man, but I mean, it's... I don't I don't understand the logic of it if you are actually fully committed, but whatever. I think... Yeah, I, I don't know. He might just want to take visits. That's of course, yeah. If you have some official visits left, you get free trips out of that. You might as well milk, milk that for what it is. I mean... And that's something... That's the difference between Lincoln Riley and Bob Stoops. Bob Stoops would really just be like, no. Or most... Well, Bob Stoops is kind of weird about it. At the beginning, they said no. And then toward the end, when Lincoln Riley got there, they just said, take your visits. Yeah, I think he had some younger guys in his ear saying, hey, look, settle down a little bit. Let these guys be kids. Because I remember Brent Venables being pissed that people would take other visits. And then, uh, and um, oh, guy from TCU, wide receiver, Rager. Yeah. They specifically told him, do not take that visit. And he took it anyways. And it seemed like almost out of spite. And it was the game that, oh, you went and played TCU. Oh, you still won. And uh, this is a bad situation. Very unhealthy. And, of course, he would never come back. Um, but yeah, strange situation. Just like, there's a lot of things to work on. Um, but OU's got some surprises left, definitely. And like I said, some guys that might be signed already that like a la Jaden Hazelwood or Nick Benito, um, that are probably likely to come down the, the pipe in the next, you know, couple months that Oklahoma that have to wait on. OU feels still confident in Chandler Morris. It's either them or Virginia Tech is what they're saying. Uh, but Oklahoma still feels very comfortable in them. If not, and they can tell pretty clearly next year, I guess, January, February, I would expect Oklahoma to go Juco route, even though Sam Costello is a Stanford grad transfer quarterback who is second team all Pac-12. I don't think they're going to risk alienating Spencer Rattler by bringing in another grad transfer. I don't think they would either. Next thing you know, what's his face from Houston's going to be on OU's team? <laughs> Wouldn't that be good? That's a good joke, Kamiar. It's a great joke. Good. I, I I loved how people immediately like nationally jumped to that conclusion. Like, oh well, he's going to go to OU because I've never heard of Spencer Rattler because I don't fucking pay attention. <laughs> could happen. Hey, you never know. It could happen. No, it can't. Don't doubt America. Um, but anyways, we have quite a bit more to talk about. And something that's really, I'm sure many more of you are more wanting to hear about after this break. 
we've got suspensions. We've got reasons why. Talking about some bowl games. Talking about things that are happening right now and just deciding, you know, what is stupid and what is not stupid and what is right and what is not right. And we'll join you guys back after the break. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. All right, Jack, so coming out as early as Saturday or Sunday, this really, from last week into this week, there was some smoke and mirrors and rumors of possible suspensions. And at first it began like on a, on a, on a message board, as it always does. And then um, it was kind of re- you know reaching out to different guys and reaching out to officials, and everybody says, oh, no, we're not sure what you're talking about. And some people might say, well... You know, we don't know what you're talking about, but we're not denying it either. So you're like, okay, well, if they're not, if they're saying, I don't think so, but we're also not denying it, you have some questions. Then it finally gained legs. And then you're like, okay, now there are some serious things afoot. And then a lot of reports started coming out when people started to really pay attention as far as the idea of where there's smoke. Typically, there is fire. And, um, confirming that as many as six players have been tracked down and suspended for the Peach Bowl game, and now it's down to at least three players have been suspended for the Peach Bowl National College Football Semifinal, and that would be Ramondre Stevenson, Ronnie Perkins, and Trajan Bridges. And I can tell you just right now, it was an NCAA piss test. Not an OU one. If it was an if it was an OU one, it was nothing. If they test positive for weed, I think here's this, uh, you know, the Dwight Schrute quote: uh, "Get three demerits, and that's a citation." Yeah, it's yeah. essentially that kind of thing. It's five citations, and you're looking at a violation. Four of those, you'll receive a verbal warning. Keep it up, and you're looking at a written warning. Two of those, and that will land you in a world of hurt, in the form of a disciplinary review written up by me and placed on my desk. On my immediate superior. That's essentially what happens with in-program drug testing for marijuana. You're not getting suspended for that at a Power 5 public school. Mm-hmm. But if the yeah. NCAA comes, it's six games because the NCAA fucking sucks. Yeah. That's, that's unreal to me. But yeah. And they're out of touch. So they're still wagging their finger at marijuana. And Oklahoma was immediately appealing and saying, you know... Well, you know, it could be a false positive, because that's happened before. Um, but, nope, Ronnie Perkins, Trajan Bridges, and Ramondre Stevenson smoking the weed. These guys are not on PEDs. Thank God. Um, Steve- you don't want another Amani Bledsoe situation on your hands. That would have screwed their careers, like, straight up. Yeah, it would have. Def- I mean, obviously, this isn't good. They're going to miss very important games. They're going to miss some games next season. Mm-hmm. Possibly OU Texas, but... At the same time, it's not throwing their entire career out of whack, yep. which would have been very unfortunate. I mean, like, as soon as this came down the pipe, I was just, I, I, channel, I channeled my inner Stephen A. You just gotta stay off the weed, duh, right? Stay off the weed. Well, I mean, with an NCA test, a lot of times you're prompted beforehand. Yeah. Which is the one thing that kind of pisses me off a little bit. Like, you knew this was coming probably, so... Yep. Those, you couldn't have waited a couple more weeks? I don't know. Those OU, or take some niacin or something? I those don't know. OU random drug tests that are actually not really random, just like every major college football program. Exactly. And NCAA comes through. Because every year, the NCAA gets guys to piss uh, hot, you know? And like Clemson against OU. They had, PEDs, their, yeah. they had one of their guys go down because of it. Because we thought maybe... And like, they probably did this time. We thought but. maybe it's pre, the pre-workout. Because for softball, talking about some of, to some of the OU softball girls, um, they tell us that you know they're not allowed to drink certain like types of energy drinks before their games or 
before competitions because some of the chemicals and energy drinks like Red Bull or maybe even like Bang, which is new, some of those chemicals test positive for performance-enhancing drugs, some of the chemicals in there. So you're thinking, at first you're like, it's not weed, they're not that dumb. This has to be like PEDs, but they didn't know about it. Yeah. Like Amani Bledsoe said. And then it boils down to when, like you always said, some, you know, just some young kids that did some dumb things, you know. Um, they're good kids that did some dumb things, and that's it. And it's, man, six games for marijuana? Six games? It's it's absurd. I mean, you it's essentially legal in this state. Yeah, it's a legal. It's good. It's getting legal in many states. Exactly. I mean, it. They're legal adults. Stop trying to hover over them like this. I mean, let them. I mean, ugh. and our listeners will have see two even even of this. if you're going out of your way to enforce something like this, give them a game. I mean, come on, this or, is absurd. Or two or something. Half a season, but the NCAA code is if you piss hot for marijuana, it's half a season. They literally, they mentioned it. If you piss hot for marijuana, it's 12.5% of your career. If you piss hot for PEDs, it's 25% of your collegiate career. Plus losing, plus having to sit out. I mean, it's... And like... And people are gonna peep we're gonna have two different audiences listening to this podcast, either agreeing with us or disagreeing with us because of just the way this whole thing is set up. It's a recreational drug. Who cares? I do not care. Not a lot of people do it these days. But you, see, even older people aren't caring anymore. Yeah. Have you ever walked by a dispensary and seen the people who are coming out of there? They're, Mostly baby boomers. They're the main consumers. They love that shit. They're <laughs> many of, okay, the demographics, as I've studied, show many of them are white-collar, older um, white men because they can buy marijuana and other recreational products like that legally now as if before it was They illegal. were afraid to go to you know a dealer or ask one of their friends or something yeah. like that beforehand. Now, I mean... The main consumer. Yeah. It's white collar people with college degrees. They all have cards. It's wild. All of these parents of my friends who were grounding everyone during high school are now smoking weed. It's pretty weird. And so it's pretty crazy. I think, man, like the PEDs, I would get it. Like you're cheating. You're literally roiding up because the thought was, please, God, don't let this be the reason why Oklahoma was playing so well on defense. It's because they're roiding up on defense. It's like, oh, another boss situation. And when it turns out it's marijuana, it's like, oh, so stupid. Come on, man. It just made you really upset. And then you had Trey Brown. It was like, keep my name. Trey Brown was basically like, keep my name out your mouth. Because people lumped him in there for some reason. Yeah. I know for a fact Trey Brown doesn't smoke weed. He's not that. He's not that. He, he's not about that life. So, like, people are like, oh, there's drama in the locker room. No, he, I'd be pissed, too. People called me a dumbass for a week about smoking weed. Like, that's not a locker room thing. That's a, you've been having my name in your mouth for the past week, calling me dumb and saying all kinds of things about me, and you knew nothing about this thing in the first place. So, it's just frustrating. And I'm not really frustrated for this season. I'm not frustrated for the peach bowl i'm frustrated for what this means for next season because if oklahoma doesn't win the lsu game you've got ronnie perkins and Ramondre stevenson and trajan bridges out all trajan's gonna play a big big role next year yeah. too so i mean that's a pretty all huge pass loss for next the year. texas game the first five games of the season that's even another reason to really 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 pull hard for the sooners in this one because the these suspended players won't miss the texas game if they win this game it's just it's dumb it's irresponsible they're also teenagers or early 20s you know they're it is young. what it is they're young guys it makes sense so anyways looking at the bowl slate let's talk about just the big 12 bowl slate because i mean 
There's a lot of bowls going on this weekend, but there's nothing really entertaining. Boise State, Washington, that's intriguing. That's intriguing because of Chris Peterson. Yes. For, for a few reasons with Chris Peterson, obviously, with it being his last game and going against the team where he... Uh, oh, he he's going to coach that game? He is coaching the game, okay. yes. So it's very intriguing. So his team's going to be, you know, trying to win for him and stuff like that. And and it's a team that underachieved all year that does have some talent. So I, I'm actually picking them. Yeah, they were six and in my, uh, what, six and six, right, or seven and five? Seven and five, yeah. And they are top twenty-five S and P rankings. Yeah. <clears throat> and going against his former team in the Boise State Broncos, we don't need to go into his past there. <laughs> and Jimmy Lake as his, as his successor, but man, so but Big Twelve games, I think, man, I feel like the Big Twelve has been very, very successful in their bowl games over the last three, four years, and. I have I have a weird feeling that the Big Twelve is about to get demolished in several of these. The matchups games. just aren't good. You've got Oklahoma State versus A and M with uh, Spencer Sanders and Chuba Hubbard playing in that game. I actually do have OSU winning that game. Sanders is playing. Yes, I believe so. Yeah. Do you think Chuba Hubbard comes back? No, he'd be stupid. He'd to be come stupid back. to come back, but he is playing in this game. And then Notre Dame versus Iowa State, which I think has a chance to be a pretty decent game. Oh, I, I, yeah, frank of course. With you. That would be a very fun tailgate to attend before the game. Oh, yeah. Texas is going to Notre Dame, get, Iowa State. Ugh. Texas will be killed by Utah. I have no doubt in my mind about that. But who knows? They might surprise us. Utah might not get up for the game. This is the issue. Yeah, Texas yeah. obviously would have trouble getting up for the game, but they're going to be playing in front of a bunch of their home fans, so... Yep. In the Alamo Dome. Utah's so. used to playing for national titles, so they might, <laughs> might not want to get it for the game. Navy versus Kansas State. Is, how about a game full of ball control? That game might last two and a half hours. That game's going to last 30 minutes. <laughs> like, come on. But, man, that's that's it's two conflicting styles of ball control, but they still do the same exact thing. Drives me nuts, but Kleiman's a great coach. And then UGA versus Baylor, the battle of... Bad offenses. That's definitely a a matchup of one school really wanting to be there and another really not wanting to be there. Three of Georgia's offensive linemen have already said they're not playing in the bowl game. Oh, really? Yes, and that's going up against a Baylor defensive front that that's can, very good. Yes, of course. So I I would pick Baylor there. I am picking Baylor there, and the reason I'm saying this is because our Capital One Bowl Mania Challenge with ESPN, <laughs> the group name. Let's see here. Group name is CC, capitalized, machine, capital M, 2019-20. Join our group. Use the password TexasIsButt, all lowercase, for a chance (laughs) to win a $100 Amazon gift card. I forgot the password is TexasIsButt. I joined, but I can't win. That's correct. Cannot, no, cannot. Yeah, no, if you're affiliated with the site or, or a family member of anyone with the site, you can't win the prize. So if I win, which I will, the second place person, which will not be Count Me R, yeah, will get the money. I usually suck at these things, anyways. But I don't think I've ever won one before. I think, but I will this year. I think Georgia, Georgia versus Baylor is the battle of no offenses. Yeah, kind of. I mean, at least Baylor has some good skill position. Well, they both have good skill position players, but uh, Georgia just sort of insists on not being creative offensively. They're kind of like LSU a year ago. Do you f- do you feel like Georgia under and like Kirby, the fifteen years before that? Do you feel like Georgia on, under Kirby Smart feels really, really, really bad now that they or not a really bad, but the whole Justin Fields thing. Well, besides that, like, do you think? Do you, do you see in the future of Kirby Smart slipping into a Mark Richt role? Yeah, totally. Like it, it being just Mark Richt all over again that they have high aspirations every year and then they just fall short every year. Granted, they're recruiting at a level that Richt never quite That's reached. True. They're like they're close to you know Bama and Clemson and the others as far as that's concerned. I mean, Georgia has been a machine on the recruiting trail for the last three years and they're still doing that. So I feel like their ceiling's still a little bit higher, but obviously they're not. Winning the big games still, so, yeah. and then yeah, then talk about Georgia, who they they said yeah, Jake Fromm, uh, you're better than a, uh, you are better than Justin Fields. Nope, 
In Granted, the, they would probably squander Justin Fields' talent at Georgia. Yeah, they would. So who knows? And Because I think Fromm's a pretty good quarterback, even though he's had some bad games down the stretch. But Fromm is a... I think he's a... I, Fromm is... He's going to play in the NFL. Fromm is an Alex Smith guy. He's not going to win you a game with his arm, but he's a competitor. He's going to be good enough to play in the NFL, I think. And you have Joe Burrow. Burrow, you know, Ohio State backup. Going to LSU and turning into apparently the best quarterback ever. He had a great year. He did have a great year. He has some insanely good receivers, though, too. Yep. I mean, that completion percentage is off the charts. Like, Imagine being Alabama and replacing Jalen Hurts with Tua Tagovailoa. And Jalen Hurts steals Tua's Tiesman moment last year because... He came in and won a game that Tua struggled in with an injury, and Kyler gets the Heisman. And then Jalen says, I'm out of here. And then the next thing you know, Jalen's at Oklahoma, and he's in the playoff and not Alabama. So this narrative of Jalen Hurts, I'm getting going to Oklahoma, and we're going to get back to the college football playoff and maybe defeat Alabama in the college football playoff, and he's not even going to get the chance to because Alabama didn't make it. They would have made it if Tua hadn't gotten hurt, probably. It's true. Maybe. I don't know. Yeah, granted. Yeah, they wouldn't have been their conference's champion. They probably would have screwed OU and put them over OU, I think, I think they would have. as a one-loss team. If they even... Like, and they would have beaten Auburn with Tua. If so. the committee even... The committee said, and I know you said it just for looks, like, oh, we considered Georgia over OU. If the committee even just like brought that up, I fully believe they would have stuck Alabama in over OU. 100%. That's valid. But yeah, man, this slate, I mean, if Spencer Sanders and Chuba Hubbard play against A&M, I really like what OSU can do against A&M. Iowa State versus Notre Dame is going to be a great game, I feel like. I think Utah is going to kick the crap out of Texas. I think Kansas State, Navy, I don't know whatever to think of Kansas State. Some days Kansas State plays really great. And some days they look terrible. Uh, you can't. I. You'll never know which Kansas State team you're getting. And now that you say that Georgia's guys are sitting out, I might just vote on Baylor. I might just start going Baylor's way. I didn't realize that they had so many guys sitting out. Yep. And that's a really good offensive line too, coached by Arkansas's current new coach, the guy who's basically the Ed Ogeron of Arkansas. Oh, is he still coaching them now? I don't know if he's coaching in this game. Man, he's. So I, I, I bet he's not. I, I, I I'm so. sure he's not. He's I'm sure he he's, he has Arkansas. so much work to do on the recruiting trail with Arkansas. So, I would imagine that he bounced. But I'm a fan. He he's very very Arkansas. Even though he's from Grove, Oklahoma. But granted, mm. that region so. of Oklahoma is basically Arkansas. Northwest Arkansas. Yeah. So, Tom Herman, friend of the pod. Caught flipping off the camera on National Signing Day on Longhorn Network. His explanation was that he was, you know, telling a story about OU fans flipping him the bird at OU Texas, which obviously happens. I'm not denying that, but you're doing it while looking into the Longhorn Network camera? Interesting. It's almost as if you were frustrated with the cameras being there and stuff like that and thought they were turned off, but they weren't. (laughs) They're like, let's take a look at Tom Herman. And, like, he's flipping off the camera, and, like, the guy's like, oh, uh, I don't think Tom knew we were on air. It's like, and then he has he comes to his press conference, he's like, I have to apologize for what I did. I didn't mean to respect, disrespect uh, the Longhorn Network that you are. This, this guy. It's very typical of him. This guy, come on. That's the best Texas could get. A man that can't wield a sledgehammer very well. A man that flips off the camera and makes fun of other people. Look. If you're Texas and after this coming season, obviously he's not leaving after this season, but he's going to be on the hot seat this coming season, obviously. Yeah. If you move on from him, what direction do you think you go? That's a good question. Coaching-wise. Like, who are the hottest names that would be a sensible hire for Texas and not necessarily this big splash hire? According to... But Texas is going to go for the big splash hire. According to Texas message boards, they could throw a lot more money at Lincoln Riley. (laughs) They believe Lincoln Riley will leave Oklahoma to go to Texas. <clears throat> I'm dead serious. Uh, no, I, I I believe you 100. percent But um, 
That's the good old Texas delusion for you. It's fantastic. You hate to see it. They'll probably try to get Urban Meyer. They would before the Dallas Cowboys pick him up or Lincoln Riley. Man, Oklahoma might go after Dallas Urban Meyer. needs to get Matt Rule. Oh, that'd be so good. That would be good. Matt Rule, man. <laughs> Matt Rule posted a tweet today. It says like realize real eyes realize real lies he used he used three stacks of words real eyes realize real lies and of course it's rapture signing day and then somebody took that tweet by matt rule watched i'm like dang that's like the most matt rule thing ever and i love this man and they put it side by side with the screenshot of Tom Herman flipping off the camera. And it's like, <laughs> look at the difference between these coaches. I love Matt Rule. This guy's awesome. I stood next to him in the elevator and he smelled great. He did. And he was next to Joel Klatt, too. That was a <laughs> hell of an elevator. You have two members of Crimson and Cream Machine plus Joel Klatt plus Matt Rule wearing his green jacket yep. a la Tiger Woods. Yeah. Oh, man. Hmm. Gotta get well, the, that was a freight elevator too, so gotta get in the same elevator. People next meant year. business. We're just gonna wait outside that freight elevator next year, and we'll be like, "Oh no, are you guys, are you guys going down with us? No, we're waiting for, uh, we're waiting for coach. Not, not like in general. <laughs> but man, like you see the difference in coach and the difference in how they carry themselves and how articulate they are. It's no wonder Baylor has gone from one in. 10 to 10 and 1 or 11 and 1 or whatever it is. It's no wonder they've gone from that to that in two seasons and Texas has gone 7 and 6, 10 and 4, 7 and 6. And they should have lost to Kansas. And they should have lost to OSU. They should be 5 and 7. They do lose to OSU if Mike Gundy doesn't have several brain farts in that game. Unbelievable. Gosh. Something a little more frustrating as of late. Oklahoma loses back-to-back games. One at Wichita State, which Wichita State's a good team. Creighton's a good team, too. And Creighton's a good team, too. Creighton beat Texas Tech. They're two mid-majors, but two very, very good mid-majors. Actually, Wichita State's in the... Wichita State's in the American, American Conference, which, yeah. Which, for basketball, I know technically that's not a major conference, but they're, they get several teams. They yeah. can get a lot of teams into the big dance. And Creighton's in the... Are they in the Big East right now? Are they? I think they are. Jeez, man. Let's see. Creighton. I, I'm pretty sure they're Big they East were in, in the, basketball. They're in. It's like I know they used to be Missouri Valley. Yeah. Oh man, it's just like the realignment stuff. Let's see. Yeah, they're in the Big East. Oh, well, okay. Never it's mind. It's a Catholic school, so that makes sense. Most Big East schools are Catholic but schools. Creighton, the Blue Jays from Omaha, Nebraska, and Wichita State, Doe, Wichita, Kansas. These are teams that. Always were really good before they joined, you know, the Big East and joined wherever in, American. in the American. And now they're joining legitimate conferences for basketball. And Oklahoma loses that both. And, you know, the, the first the first thing you notice against Wichita State is Oklahoma is a major size problem. Just a bad size problem inside. And, and then the outside shooting yeah. problems reared their ugly head against Creighton. Eight for 32 against from three isn't going to get it done. What do you think against anyone? What do you think is up with the enemy? I think being out there with four guys who are sort of alphas offensively is sort of throwing him off a little bit. But I don't know. He's he's sort of disappeared. Yeah, it's strange. Like there's. I don't know that it's necessarily an issue with him moving off the ball because he's playing on the ball a lot too. Yeah, it, it's just he. I, I think he's got some confidence issues. Like, you always have Alondis Williams in there, right? I do like Alondis Williams. And then they've got a bunch of young guys, and they'll get better as the year goes on. But there's not great right now, but they'll get better. I mean, Christian Doolittle is special. Uh, Devin Harmon will be very special. Big fan of Reeves, obviously. Austin Reeves. And you have him for another, you have him for this year and next year. I'll tell you, Austin Reese had a terrible homecoming in Wichita he State. He did. I think it got to his head. I think he did, too. I think he was trying to do too much. But but they'll get better, just like any long Kruger team. They continue to improve over the year, and they win games that they maybe shouldn't, and they lose games that 
They probably should. Um, and they always lose against Kansas State. He cannot be Kansas State. He can't. I think he's contractually obligated to lose to Kansas State. It's like in his contract, hey, I don't have to beat my alma mater, so yeah. I'm not going to beat my alma don't mater. Don't get it. I don't get it. But there's, yeah. But let's, let's close this thing out talking about a couple of things. Just a couple of questions. According to you, and by the way, we didn't mention this, 12 of OU's 20 signees, early enrollees. No, is Eaton going to run roll early? Because I know he wasn't, uh, oh, he hadn't committed yet publicly at that point. Ooh, that's a good question. I need to check on that. Anyway, it's still, regardless, it's still a lo- more than half of the class is enrolling early. And all the Juco which is guys very nice. Yeah, all, early. Yeah, exactly. When you, could you have... You usually have some academic concerns with JUCO guys, mm-hmm. and in this instance, you have all three of them enrolling early, so you can rest easy. It's very nice. So, out of all the recruits Oklahoma has signed, and or maybe not signed like a Reggie Grimes, who do you feel like is their best recruit? As far as immediate impact, it's Winfrey. You think so? Of course, yeah. I mean, it's it was the biggest pressing need of the class, and you found the uh, top JUCO player at that position. I mean, that's... You can't really ask for much more. I'm gonna go. Plus, he's someone who can be dominant right off the bat. You're you're, you're right. I'm gonna go to be different. I am going to say, mm, Justin Harrington. Let's we'll stay okay. on defense. Yeah, he'll start too. And with immediate impact people. Immediate so. impact. And they're both JUCO guys. And again, Alex Grinch. As soon as he got to Norman, said, "What the hell's up with this depth in the defensive backfield?" It's not good. He recruits a bunch of six-footer, taller guys, and that's what it is. Um, so, yeah, it's I, – I agree Justin Harrington will be a big guy, but, but I also agree Perry Winfrey. He's a major guy in the middle, and it's he's very important to Oklahoma next season. And now another question, recruiting-wise. Since both of us are going with JUCO people here, three years from now, who is the best member of this class? Oh, man. I'm going Andrew Rame. You think Rame? Yeah. Man, that's such a good question. Give me Aaron Parks. Okay. Another offensive lineman. No, wait, hold on. I'll do you one better. Three years from now, the best guy in this class, you know it's going to be? Who? You won't even know it three years from now, but you'll look back and say, damn, that guy was good. It's Mikey Henderson. Okay, there you go. It's the Trey Millard, Dimitri Flowers effect that... And Jeremiah Hall has been good at that position, but he's not the impact player that those two were. Henderson has a chance to actually be that guy. You don't realize what you had until you lost Dimitri Flowers or when you lost Trey Millard. Um, Those guys are so important to that team, what Lincoln Riley does, so... I'll say I'll say Michael Henderson. I like that. That's an outside the box move. In three and a half year or three years, we'll say, damn this guy, he makes this offense run so well. Because Demetri Flowers made that offense run so smooth for whichever quarterback he had. And so I think in three years, he'll be a guy that we look back on and say, damn, he he was a big guy. Which one of these guys do you think has most upside? Upside. Let's see here. Uh, Eaton is one that certainly has a ton of upside. Kendall Dennis as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bryson Washington is definitely a name. The defensive, all of the defensive backs fit this profile. So, outside of that, let's see here. Nate Anderson, if you put weight on him, I would say, and Rame would be up there too as well. Mm-hmm. Rame, I think, is ready to play right away, but obviously they don't need him to play right away. Right. I'll say the guy with the most upside is Jalen Conyers. Okay. He is a six foot five tight end. He's a flex. Um, he's an H back guy. He's a pass catcher. He's something very special to Oklahoma. He's a little more physical than a Mark Andrews, um, but not as wide as a Mark Andrews is. Um, a little more athletic than Mark Andrews, but maybe not as much as the pass catcher that Mark Andrews is. So he brings something pretty different. Um, I know Josh McQuistian, he compared him to Jermaine Gresham, which is... I that's mean, nice. That's some pretty high praise. And Jermaine Gresham was 6'6". And so Jalen Conyers, he has a chance to be something very special. And I 
And, you know, losing a guy like Grant Calcaterra, you'll need somebody like him to come in and be effective. And so Austin Stogner will take over that position next year, but Jalen Conyers will be a guy that I think that's the most upside. But Now, um, one other question. Diamond in the rough. Diamond in the rough. Oh, man. I'm going Brendan Walker. You think so? Yeah, I am. He's someone who could be... Also, he's not someone who necessarily has to be limited to the rush edge position. Mm -hmm. I think he could play inside potentially, but he's going to be a very skilled pass rusher. He has the size and speed to get it done. And I'm not just saying this because he went to my high school, but I'm saying that a little bit because he went to my high school. But give me the other linebacker, Shane Litter. Ooh, yeah, there you go. The more you look at his film, the more you kind of like it. And he's he's only down there in the rankings because he's six feet tall. This one says six foot two. Are you on rivals? I am. Okay. See, twenty four seven has him at six foot. And, and see, whatever. This, this is the problem with he, all he, these recruiting he's shorter, services. Whatever. But it's the more you look at his film, the more you say he's got a nose for the ball. He knows where the ball is going. And Brendan Walker, he's going to end up having his hand in the dirt if he keeps on growing. He's going to end up being a jackbacker and or maybe in thirty more pounds a Jalen Redmond guy. So you never know what's going to happen here. The coaches like him either way, um, but we'll see what happens with him. I think, I mean, who, who do you think makes the most immediate impact? Let's stay away from the defense. Let's okay. stay away from, away from defense because, I mean, this class is all defense. What position player, what skill position player makes the most immediate impact? Marvin Mims, because he fits in the slot. I'd say him. Mims is, Mims is so, un, and I was going to say that too, Mims is so under the radar. How? He's broke Texas receiving records. Yeah. This is not Sterling Shepard breaking Oklahoma receiving records. This is a guy in the state of Texas. You realize how many players go through the state of Texas every year? And it's not just by happenstance. They're like, oh, we're going to break the school record this year just by throwing to Marvin over and over and over. No, like he broke it, and he's he's so unique. A guy that's over a little over six foot, about one seven, a buck seventy. He can scoot too, and he's quick. He's shifty. He doesn't have really high end speed, but he runs great routes. Sounds like Sterling Shepard, but it's just I think he's special, and I think he'll get playing time this year, quite frankly. And honestly, Oklahoma needs playing time because they're losing several wide receivers. Yeah. Um, so, I can see him splitting snaps with Drake Stoops as the primary slot receiver this year. Yeah. I think I it's those fair. two in the slot, probably. And to close this kind of questionless doubt is, who are the top three most valuable assistants on OU staff, do you think? Well, Beaton Bo, uh, Grinch, and let's see, Tibbs right now. Tibbs. Although I, I'd, I'd be tempted to go with Kale Gundy too, just because of what he does, just general recruiting wise. He's sort of the recruiting director role. He's made a huge impact. I got Odom is so important too, though, because of the strides that the linebackers have made. It's tough to make a call there, mm-hmm. but I I'll stick with Beanbow and Grinch. Obviously, those are two that stand out, and I'll go I'll go Tibbs. That's the third one. Yeah, give me Beanabo, Gundy, and Grinch. Now, do you think anything with McClellan has to do with Bullware? I've heard a lot of criticism of Bullware. I don't know. What do you think? I think that there's been a... And I'm trying to figure out how to phrase this. I think there have been several things that have changed when we when we saw that Kale Gundy had moved from running backs coach and exclusively being that guy to recruit the running backs to being a wide receiver slash offensive coordinator-ish analysis guy and um, to moving to a different position. I think we've seen a lot of change as far as what kind of athletes you see at running back. I think that's correct. And it's not like the running back position recruiting has been bad. No, it's not. I mean, great. Marcus Major is someone who I really like. I mean, the McGowan kid's really good. It's not like OU is hurting at running back, but at the same time, you're not getting the guys you were getting six years ago. So. It's true. It's weird. Yeah. 
Because OU shouldn't have trouble getting the guys that they were getting six years ago. You would think that everyone would be knocking on the door to play running back at Oklahoma. I mean, not that long ago you had Samaj P. Ryan and Joe Mixon, so it's not like that I was can... about six years ago when they signed, though. Oh man, they signed in 2014. I guess that was five years ago, but yeah, no, you're right. Well, you know, that's a little weird, huh? Although I guess it would have been spring of 2014, so it was almost six years ago. I mean, regardless, you had a guy that was pretty dynamic, and he kind of he kind of goosed you for Alabama. That's true. But it is what it is. Oklahoma, it's going to end up with Seth McGowan, which is, he's good back. He reminds you a lot of, oh, it's, McGowan reminds me a lot of Kennedy Brooks. He's a lot of the same there. He can scoot a little more than Kennedy Brooks he can. can. He's a little more explosive. I think Trey Sermon's leaving after this year. Um, I don't know what Kennedy Brooks is going to do. Uh, so it could be interesting running back for next year for the Sooners. Could be very interesting. Especially with Ramondre Stevenson missing the first few games. but Yikes, dog. Uh, but, man, it's been an interesting week. Has been. Do you have anything else? Man, I think I'm good. I'm ready to go to bed. I, I did not sleep much this week, obviously. So. Same. I have coffee. Gatorade and water well, sitting all around I'm me. drinking a diet, Dr. Pepper. That's helped me a little bit. Yeah. But It's Christmas party season, though. <laughs> it is Christmas party season. Uh, did you have an ugly sweater that you're going with? No. I'm just going to go hang out. Mine's coming in the mail tomorrow. What is it? It says, Buzz, your girlfriend, Woof. That's cute. It is cute. I'm pretty proud of myself with that purchase. But it should be. I'm be buying, sporting that all around town. I've been buying things off Amazon because I'm not trying to go to the crazy stores. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, you don't want to go to the mall, obviously. I mean, you saw what happened at Penn Square today. Jeez. My mom was in the mall. Heard that it was over a pair of shoes. Yep. People be crazy. Indeed. Yeah, Stephen, our buddy. Yeah. Podcast friend. Stephen Brown. He was in the, uh, he just got released from the mall, correct? Yep, not long ago. He, they just let him go, and I guess it, the shooting stuff happened right above him, I believe, from the yeah. next level. That's crazy, man. Like, really? And, I mean, in a crowded mall like that, in a, th- a stray bullet could catch someone. I mean, it's, it's fucked up. The Thunder were in there watching a private screening of a movie. And of they had Star be, Wars, I believe. They had to be escorted out. Yeah, Stephen Adams was holding an R2-D2. That's cute. Protect Stephen Adams at all costs. Of it's course. very important. But I think that wraps us up, man. Yeah. It is a sleepy Thursday, 100%. I'm ready to go to sleep. But hey, guys, follow us at crimsonandcreammachine.com. There was so much, like, when I say there was, like, a lot of work put in a National Signing Day and getting all that stuff, there was a lot of work put in a National Signing Day. I, I know... slept from 4.30 a.m. to <laughs> 6.30 a.m. Uh, Wednesday morning, I guess. <laughs> that was it. Yeah, there was a, a lot of things writing out because, like, it's good to know who was going to commit and stuff like that, but... There's a lot of effort put into that, and just everything else that goes into it every day, every single day, there's a lot of things that go into it, and just a lot of quality guys on staff, and follow Jack on Twitter, uh, you can find him at the actual account Twitter, which is at CC Machine, or his personal account is at J. Larry Shields, I'm at Robbie and CCM, follow Alan Kenny at Blatant Homerism, he puts out another great podcast as well, and uh, we'll check you guys later. <laughs>